everybody. Welcome to episode 14 of Drop the Needle in the Haystack, a podcast where we use the Forgotify website to take a listen to tracks on Spotify that have, until this point, never been played. And if you remember from our last episode, we were very sad and dour because our friend Forgotify looked like it had perished. But we've got good news. It's a Christmas miracle. It's back. It just is back today on the day of our recording. We found it restored to its former glory. So thank you for your, your energy and your well wishes and your prayers. He's risen. Yeah, we, we did it, boys. We brought we it back to it. life. Yep. We, uh, it was all we'll us. take full credit for us. It was <laughs> us. <laughs> I kind of wonder what actually happened. Like, did the domain name just expire or something? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, cause it, it was looked truly dead. Yeah, yeah this, the same error, like, for longer than a week. Yeah, just uh, the could not contact the server, like, at all. I can't remember yeah. what the error was. Huh? There's, like, like a gateway error 403 or something like that. Yeah, I don't yeah that sounds right. <clears throat> it wasn't a but, 404. Uh, glad it's back you know it was scary we we didn't know what we were gonna do we were thinking like maybe we'll get into like reviewing dmca music or like non-dmca music and you know there's a lot of that out there and maybe we can still do some stuff like that you know like um it won't get taken down for being copyright protected so like streamers use dmca free music on their streams oh because there's like a whole like think of like lo-fi audio streamers yeah like all of that is generally dmca free like oh they're, yeah, they're not going to charge you to yeah use their music okay also robbie i totally thought of a horrible joke right when you started your serious take of the intro when you were like to take robbie and i was gonna say like because you know usually you'd say like that's what they called me in you know college or whatever that's school, to yeah. take robbie that's what they called me in the porn industry <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right. Yeah, let's Eric's calm gonna down. say, "Don't let, don't let Eric Eric's lie to you." Gonna, he, Eric is gonna cut this part. I know, he but I can cut stuff out. <laughs> the only thing we could do is keep referring back to it throughout the whole episode, so he has no choice but to. I couldn't. I couldn't let the joke go because I. That's why I kept laughing when you kept your serious start. But so anyway, this week we're going to be looking at some Christmas music together we get lots of christmas music when we're digging through the like the forgotify stuff um robbie claims that he didn't get too much but i think eric and i said we typically get like three to four christmas albums like per session of, of looking through spotify or forgotify stuff right eric yeah i i definitely get at least three or four and you know this time i was hoping to find you know at least one hanukkah tune and uh, to go with this it's the first night of hanukkah as we record this but uh unfortunately no luck. So, uh, but you get you get three Christmas bangers. So, it's not all bad. Yeah, I mean, one of my students pointed out like there's not many Hanukkah songs aside from like the Dreidel song, the Adam Sandler song. Any, anything else? Yeah, there's some there's some traditional Hanukkah songs, but not in like cultural mainstream. Those are like yeah. you know. Uh, but anyway, I think I'll be leading off today's episode. Uh, so my selection for this week is called merry christmas everyone and it's by matt whistler it's off his album oh it's just a single so a single called merry christmas everyone i'll just go ahead and let this one play for the first like 30 seconds (laughs) 
sing the Christmas. Snow is falling all around me. Children playing, having fun. It's the season. Love and understanding. Merry Christmas, everyone. Time for parties and celebrations. Absolutely love it. There's something about it. I almost kind of think of the, like when synthesizers, you know, first mm -hmm. were being a thing, and in um, Wonderful Christmas Time, Paul McCartney's like, I'm just going to push every button of the synthesizer at least <laughs> once in the song. There's something about that that pervades this song. You know, it's very synth heavy, and we were trying to figure out like, how do we all of us immediately know within the first like three seconds of the song that this is supposed to be a Christmas song, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's like something about the sound and like the chords that are chosen and like we, we kind of talked about how the synth has like it sounds like a noise element of the synthesizer to create a little static to emulate the uh, the sleigh bells. But I don't know, something even just about the repeated eighth notes at that speed sounds Christmassy, right? Like, Robbie, what do, what do you think? Any theories? Uh, well, I think a big part of it is that that sort of it that bell-like quality to it like we talked about it's sort of evocative of bells or sleigh bells without being a direct or like a literal representation of them and you know it, it does kind of like you say i think the rhythm and that tempo is another way because you know that's about i don't know i'm doing the thing that they do on the sleigh bells beating the bottom of them oh, and that's yeah, right. about that rhythm because you never you can't do sleigh bells too fast that's true i had to be the sleigh bell guy we did at my high school we did the little brass like chamber groups would go around doing christmas grams during like the week before christmas and i was the guy who had to just beat the hell out of the sleigh bells the whole time and by the end of the day like my whole palm was just like really red yeah and like we even heard there was a tubular bell at one part during like an ascending line right yeah but... kind of is added in there along with the synthesizer in that second part of the phrase oh something about but... the repeated notes you know yeah, it, it's definitely the repeated notes sounding like a, the sleigh bells or whatever kind of bells. But um, let's talk a minute about the the vocalist, right? So I've been trying to put my finger on it. Like, obviously, intonationally and singing-wise, he's not really doing a lot, right? You know, it's, it's clear yeah. he's not a vocalist or a singer in, like, a classically trained sense. But... I don't necessarily mind it so much. And I think that's because the actual um, backing vocals behind it, you know, are on pitch and are actually sung. So it, it's this kind of interesting um, split between the main vocals not being like being kind of approximated and the backing vocals being pretty much spot on. And it, it makes a pretty interesting sound. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's kind of spoke sung almost in in. in a little bit like that Broadway kind of way sometimes where it's like, it's got some, it's like imitating the curve of the melody, but it's mostly kind of just getting the words out in an artistic way. And I think a lot of the, the effects, a lot of the electronic elements too help to kind of really mesh it all together. Yeah, we, I mean, we've talked about speak singing, I think a fair amount on the, the show by yeah. now. It's our favorite thing. It's like right on the border between like not having the pitch. I think Eric's right. Do you think he's he's singing those backing vocals too? Like what's I, kind of I can't think tell. It might be him. Yeah, because I mean those are like that's where the melody is coming from, and he's just sort of like fitting into the contour, like Robbie said. 
um, with his main vocals. It's just, it's, it's an interesting dichotomy, right? You know, makes an interesting sound. There's something else too. I didn't quite think about the melody at first, but doesn't he, doesn't the melody itself and also his delivery of the lyrics sound quite like drab and kind of contrary to the upbeat, cheery, you know, Christmassy sound? What do you guys think? Right. It's a little sedate. It's kind of, yeah, not not so enthusiastic that we normally hear or associate with this joyful Christmas subject matter. And there's there's a slight accent, right? Or is it just mm-hmm. me? Um, yeah, he's Matt, uh, he's. Actually, yeah, let's I get think, some bio. I think who's he's this guy from Brighton? Yeah, there so it is. The okay. UK. Yeah. And uh, it says on his website, you can look up. This is his name is Matt Whistler, and this is mattwhistler.squarespace.com. That That's I'm a cool at. name. He didn't whistle, so I want my money back. Uh, (laughs) So it says, Matt Whistler, a serious artist. Sometimes he's funny, but most of the time he is, erm, dot, 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 funny. And it seems that he's a real Renaissance man. Uh, There is a DVD, I think, and some, like, pop art, pop-up art. Uh, And just from, you know, looking at his Twitter, it says that, he is an independent filmmaker, a comic actor, writer, regular actor, producer, and world robot, world record holder, and robot artist. So nice. again, a very accomplished uh, a Renaissance man. Yeah. Does it list any of his films? I think on the website it says it's called zero. I think that's a one zero one, like the number one. So I'm not really sure. And seeing as you know, this is a single on Spotify. I think we can. It's safe to say he's not a dedicated musician, but this isn't a bad track. I think we all said we would unironically listen to this, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, neat little thing to think about of like, you know, how does he achieve that Christmas sound in like the first five seconds? Oh, oh, Robbie, do you remember that like stupid, I think it might have been like, you know, explained or or one of those like things like box where it's like, demystifying the christmas chord Do you oh that, yeah that's right i Where remember it's like, the, it's like the d half diminished chord or something right i don't i never watched the video but i very distinctly remember that plaguing my well not plaguing that showing up a no, lot on my could recommended say plaguing your yeah <laughs> i don't want to be mean but it did show up a lot on my recommended yeah and everyone's like oh yeah look these two christmas songs use a d half diminished seven chord that's the christmas chord because like Mariah Carey uses it in, in like, I would be um, yeah in, in greatest modern Christ- named. yeah the greatest modern Christmas work of art. I would even say more than the half diminished or, or whatever the chord they said. The secondary the five of five is a yeah. chord that I associate with Christmas songs. Like Jingle Bells is is just kind of the first thing I think about when I'm trying to think of you know secondary dominance or Christmas sounding chords. I don't know why. Or are you a are you a church musician? Mm-hmm. Getting the the five chord, the five seven chord in uh, third third inversion in the final refrain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just having that 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 five four two chord during the final refrain really bring it home for Christmas Town. Jingle bells, man. <laughs> but okay, that's enough. Uh, of, of, of well, hold on, wait, because there's one thing I did want to talk about with this one that occurred to me because this is actually the only one of the Christmas songs we've selected. That's uh, an original Christmas song, right? The other two are are covers of Christmas tunes we all know and love. And so I was wondering, especially for you, Matt, as a composer, just thinking about how do you write a Christmas song? What do you what do you do? 
do you go like, I'm just going to go to the classic well of Christmas is great, look at the snow, children playing. Sometimes people get like ironic about it, uh, where they're like, ugh, Christmas, or whatever. <laughs> but what's the, That's what is... true. You gotta think, how often does a new Christmas song enter the, the lexicon of accepted Christmas songs, right? Yeah, not very often. I mean, post-Mariah Carey, has there been another big Christmas song? And you have to imagine these, these I mean, they, they happen, right? Like, The War Is Over became a Christmas song. Paul McCartney's Christmas song. Uh, Michael Bublé has just only done covers, right? I think so. Cause, yeah, because there are... Especially if you listen to whole Christmas albums that some of these pop artists oh. put out or no. artists put That's out, right. you do hear originals, but it's not like, like you said, not on the level of, of the Mariah Carey tune. You know, I feel like you can draw a parallel between the Hallmark Christmas movies. Really? Between the Christmas movies and the, like, the dirt of, of new Christmas it. songs? There's, there's classic Christmas movies, which are like, you know, you gotta watch them. It's, you gotta watch them. They're on ABC you know, like the 25 Days of Christmas or whatever. Right, right. But then there's like the Hallmark Christmas movies, which they have like a little checklist they go through basically, right? Like, you know, a, a brunette man and a blonde woman go back to hometown where they knew each other in high school and she's a professional dog groomer and he makes sweaters for trees and then like, I don't know. And there's a precocious little child somewhere involved. Of course. And... It's it's called something like Christmas in Love or something like that. It's got like all the bare essentials of what you need to create a Christmas movie. I mean, I'm sure that the people writing these Hallmark Christmas movies aren't like, I'm going to create a new Christmas classic. I don't know. If someone told me, hey, you've got to make a new Christmas song. I, I feel like I would not even want to attempt to create something original or meaningful. I would just go straight for the grab bag of, like, mix and match to create Christmas song. Right. Jingle bells, five of fives, get the yeah. half-diminished chord. Yeah. Put them all and in then, one song. Yeah. They're the Christmas song. <laughs> That'd be awful. I did some quick sleuthing. I couldn't find literally anything after Mar Mariah Carey that's not just a cover that has entered, like, the... Uh... The lexicon. And that was in 1994. Mariah Carey's song really came in 1994. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought it was younger than that. In You're telling me that all I want for Christmas is as old as I am? I believe so. Let me double check. Huh. That's yeah, crazy. 1994. All I want for Christmas is you. CeeLo Green made a pretty good Christmas album. I think there was The Killers made a Christmas album, but I don't know if there were originals on those. There was a... Um... Ariana Grande song thing that came out in 2016, but I think it's just a play off of a Christmas song. I don't know the... Do you guys know? Hang on. What's it called? Oh, wait. What about Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer? Is that new? Was that no, after? that's old. Yeah, that's gotta is be that old. old. That has gotta be older than 1994. Uh, where's the Ariana Grande song? Santa Tell Me, but I, I'm guessing that's a play off of Santa Baby. I think so. So I'm not counting that one since she's just reappropriating the melody. Santa Baby, that classic horny for Santa Claus song. There you, you go. Can categorize Christmas songs into two things. <laughs> <laughs> One's that one of Bone Santa and the rest. <laughs> and, and anything else. Right. That's how it is in my household. Two CDs. <laughs> Christmas songs where they don't want to have sex with Santa. And Santa Baby. 
god. No, there's more. <laughs> We've talked about it. Like, there's more, right? Well, there's not. There's not more that are about specifically having sex with Santa Claus for material gain. That's the only one. <laughs> there's other horny ones, but that's the that's the only like. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> for material gain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what about uh, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus or something? Oh, you know oh he got I stay, you there. I stand Robbie. corrected. I need another <laughs> CD. <laughs> so, so it's like that song. I mean, even in under the wrong interpretive lens. Uh, no, wait, never mind. I don't want to go there. <laughs> okay, all right, let's not go I there. I don't want to another two take Robbie joke. <laughs> But, um, okay, so enough of talking about horny Santa Claus. Perhaps we should talk about... Um, <laughs> Don't get me started. I'll go all day. <laughs> is this uh, is this your selection, Robbie, the next one? This is yes. it. So this one is from an artist that's listed as Songs Made For You with an exclamation point, And the album is Digital Christmas. And it's a bunch of 8-foot songs. 8-foot. Eight 8-bit eight songs. <laughs> Should I cut this out too? No, keep it in. Keep it in and double it. It's a bunch of 8-bit songs, and this is the only thing I could ever find from them. It was released in December of 20, or yeah, 2009, and that's all I got. That's all I could find. Let's listen. Traditional wisdom when writing a melody or improvising a solo has been that at some point the phrase must end. What this music presupposes is, what if it didn't? And for that reason, I like it a lot. There's just <laughs> something so it's like a very standard kind of simple 8-bit arrangement, right? You could hear it on a, a, a Super Nintendo game about Christmas. And then all of a sudden, the solo, like, rockets into the stratosphere. I have this some desire for, like, Mega Man Saves Christmas now, you know? <laughs> yeah. So like what that. is that 8-bit uh, Christmas game, Robbie? Uh, Home Alone 2, the Christmas game. Oh, oh yeah. That's great. You can, you, can ki- what? you can kill John Pesci with a brick in a video game. What's it? And then, is it Tim Curry? Tim Curry's in that one, right? I think so. He he's has a the, cameo. He's, he's the, the bellhop. Ho- yeah, he's the hotel guy who keeps trying to get Kevin in trouble. You know who else has a cameo in that movie? He who shall not, who, he who shall not be named. That's but, right. Uh, uh, kind of tainted in retrospect now. Isn't it a shame? Uh, but, but, yeah, as far as the music goes, what do you guys think? Because I don't know how much there is to dig in exactly, but what do you guys, what you guys got? I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know how much I can really say about it. It's sick. Like, I mean, that's a cool, it's a cool solo. I'm all about it. Like, the, the opening, a little long for my taste. We, I mean, I get that we have to go through the whole thing so that the, the solo makes area. sense. Yeah, in context. I wish it had been sped up a little bit, but the solo yeah. itself is, like, um, it's very cool. And just the opening of the solo, those, like, impressionistic almost waves you get, it's just a great way to kind of reorient where you're going with the music right like it totally kind of wipes the slate clean without feeling 
without being too jarring, I think. My thing, Maybe it's just me. My thing with this, and Eric, yeah, I agree. I think the tempo could have been just like a notch faster. Yeah. But the weirder thing was like slow oompa, almost like reggae backbeat that they had going. The boom, boom. But it was like kind of just a weird rhythm for, for me. And again, if it had just been like a little faster, maybe not as weird. But the thing I like about the solo, it's like this cool thing. I think Robbie and I were saying the synth probably had just like a, a doubler or something going so that there were parallel intervals running the whole time. Right, right. I think you said it just sounded very busy, but I think it was either parallel fifths or fourths or maybe the interval changes at some point. Mm. And it resulted in some really cool moments of chromaticism because if you did a chromatic note in one voice then surely the other doubled voice in the synth was gonna do a chromatic note right i I suppose yeah and i think that might be eric mentioned kind of impressionism and that might be sort of a a strange well to draw on for you know an 8-bit christmas song but i think that you know it's a good comparison because you see things like that in well or maybe this is just the very limited knowledge i have of Debussy and his piano music these kind of like really mushy intervals that are all scattered around and and i don't know if it's totally intentional on whoever created this as part but what yeah like you say what does end up happening is a lot of interesting kind of clashing notes and a lot of interesting sort of rhythmic stuff too it's very driving like we say it kind of just goes and goes and goes since nobody has to take a breath and it's got some interesting rhythmic stuff that's one thing that kind of caught my ear like a cross rhythm there but it's really strange. It's really strange. In the best way. In the best way, Eric. Yeah. yeah, so this would be the perfect soundtrack for some... I, I just really want it. I want a Mega Man game where you save Christmas. And, like, you have to... The real good twist would be a Santa robot master at the end of the game. Oh, heck. That'd be yeah. a good one. He, like, a shoots coal. battle. <laughs> he shoots coal at you. <laughs> Dr. Wily's kind of Santa looking. He is. He I is. Know. Doctor, yeah, Dr. Light is more Santa looking. He's more... With the big yeah. beard. Dr. Wily is like gross, emaciated guy. Santa. I never well, really played little... the robot ones. I played the EXE. You know oh, the, the internet one? Oh. Yeah, the internet one was cool. Where Mega Man's the internet? Yeah, that was really Mega Man hard. and the internet was like, that was my childhood. I played, I didn't play the original Mega Man. I played um, Mega Man X. Oh, okay. Sure. Oh, the re- it's like the remake, right? Uh, I don't know if it's a remake. It's just like the... It's a revamp of the series. I think it started on the Super Nintendo. And those were the ones that had Zero in it. And like in Mega Man X3, starting, I think, with that one, you could play a Zero. So it was just a slightly different game mechanics. Yeah. I always remember, did you guys ever play... And this is now our Mega Man tangent. But did you guys <laughs> play the... I think it was Mega Man 64, or there was a Mega Man game yeah. on the Nintendo 64. Yeah, it's like you, it was like an action-adventure, kind of, you walked around this town and had to explore things. Yeah, that game was hard, too. Mega Man games were just always hard, I don't know. It's tough. Can't make it easy on you. It's not for an ordinary man, Eric. You've got to be Mega. <laughs> yeah, well, well, think about it. Like, Mega Man really... Um had the whole gamut of of like genres right because like they had the side scroller uh castlevania like metroid thing they had like the whatever you would consider mega man uh battle network which was like a whole kind of different card battler slash rpg um, rpg kind of thing and then they had yeah like a 
they had the X games, which were kind of Those Final Fantasy-esque, right? Or were the they Man X games were serious platformers because they put so many more movement uh, options in the game. What What were the? Um, I feel like there was a Final Fantasy one in there, like where you're turn based. Yeah, I oh, think I yeah. know what you're talking about. But there I was a Mega Man it. RPG that I played on the GameCube. I don't but, remember. Like, they, they really like branched out there. It's a anyway. shame because I think that the the series kind of came to a halt. I think they've kind of they haven't yeah. reached quite the the depth that Sonic has, where Sonic is just like an unrecognizable meme. Like I don't think the Mega Man franchise has been able to stick quite like Mario and Zelda have. Sega just yeah they dropped the ball really. Yeah. You know it, it's. Surprising because it's not just an ordinary man, Eric. <laughs> it's a mega. What, what kind, kind of man, man is it? Oh, it's, it's a, a mega man, man, Eric. Oh, oh, it's a mega man. Robin. All right, I didn't, I didn't understand that. Oh, okay, so man. we end the Mega Man tangent with uh, Eric's selection for this week. Yes. Okay, so I could not find anything else about these artists, which is weird because this is a greatest hits album, and you'd think that with a greatest hits album. We'd be able to talk about. Um... I do kind of like the idea of just <laughs> releasing an album called "The Greatest Hits" as your very first album, though. <laughs> and it's called the Rock and Roll Snowcats. You know, while we listen to, uh, we're going to listen to a couple different sections because there's a lot here to talk about. Why don't I'll, I'm going to do some quick sleuthing and make sure I'm not dumb and there's nothing out there. Should I should I start for the first? 12 yeah, go seconds? ahead. Okay. Yeah, first so here's seconds. the first twelve seconds, and then we're going to skip to a bit later in the song. want to skip to about 110 for a hint of the vocals and a solo as well oh, and have yourself a merry little christmas now You know what it is he sounds like to me you know what it is he sounds like he's trying to sound like either barry white or neil diamond and just not quite getting there i really am leaning more towards neil diamond okay yeah, yeah. something about just like it's trying to make the voice be very resonant and very low and it's kind of mm. straining a little bit or rod stewart my mother hates rod stewart i haven't listened to enough rod stewart to every time really that my mom coming. hears rod stewart She's like, oh, that man. <laughs> he knows what he did. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Of course, after after enough times of her saying this, because during like early pandemic, my my parents and I got into this ritual of every weekend playing 500 Rummy with each other on Saturday nights, and I would just put on a playlist for like my parents and you know oldies music, Rod Stewart. So my my dad and I eventually were like, what is it that you have against Rod Stewart? Like, what did he did he like do something to you or a loved one? <laughs> like, yes. I got to see him live, and when I saw him in person, it was horrible. He's so short. He's so much shorter than you think he is <laughs> when you see him in real life, and it completely ruined it for me. Because <laughs> my mom's well, just tall. She's, she's like 5'10 or something, which is unusual you know, sure. for, for a woman, I guess. Uh, That's like a higher height yeah. percentile. So this was a problem for her, I guess. You know, short, short men. He does <laughs> sound right. tall. 
<laughs> That's why she hates Rod Stewart. <laughs> Poor guy. But anyway. Yeah, so um, we, we spent a lot of time kind of behind the scenes talking about his voice and kind of what's going on there. Because it's got an interesting sound. I think we decided, Robbie, you said, you know, there's some some kind of weird reverb or like additional echo added to his voice, obviously in production. And there's like a weird kind of timbral thing. For me, um, he has a good voice. I wish they had applied just a little bit of auto-tune because we kind of get the intervals are a little shaky at times. We don't we don't quite hit our interval right away as we're transitioning. Um, and then it locks in a moment later. But just a little bit of auto-tune would have fixed that and maybe not so heavy-handed on the rest of the post-production work probably would have helped as well. But it's like a, it's, what do we say? It's like a 1950s kind of rock style um, sound that the band is going for. And he's trying to fit in with like, that idea and who do we think of we think of elvis i think that's what matt said and we're not quite getting there right i'm not sure what we're getting but it's it's not quite there so it's a little go ahead matt you know the thing that you just made me realize now if we're drawing the comparison between this style and how much we associate it with elvis and the auto-tune uh think of elvis's famous recording of uh blue christmas right where elvis is his he's like scooping like lugubiously scooping into each note all like that sure and like maybe that's why they didn't do that pitch correction with the autotune like what you said because maybe with this style of music you're trying to get some of that like uh, stretchy uh slide into the starts of your pitches scooping up into the pitch maybe i could see that i could i could see that i wish it had been made more obvious then that that's what we're going for because with elvis you know he's doing it right yeah yeah. But with this, you could say, oh, maybe he's doing it. Yeah, and I, I, th- I think, like you said, it's it's a, it's like there's just one or two things we would like a little more of. Because it's not like he's got a bad voice. It's It's got a nice quality mm-hmm. to it, yeah. nice tone yeah. to it. I think a lot of it does come down to either just like, you know, really absorbing that style a, a little more. Or, or really kind of uh, honing in on the, the center of those some of those pitches. Or just the like the post-production great. not letting him down. I feel like that's what's happening. Like yeah. this production did not do him any favors. But the band's great. He's got a good voice. Um, that sax solo is great. And I think, you know, Robbie had a little thing he wanted to talk about here. He taught us something earlier today. Right. So there's, you know, if you spend some time on the internet as a musician, you get throwing all sorts of videos about how to do Christmas songs with a half-diminished chord. And, and another kind of niche musical world is like jazz memes, which is its own kind of thing, <laughs> which are great. There's this image. Fuck, I got to show you guys this later. I'm not going to describe it to you because that's not good podcasting. But there's some good jazz memes out there. And of course, the most famous one that's or the one that's sort of permeated everywhere is, is the lick. Right, that's the yeah, that's sure. the big famous one. Essentially, it's just a little melodic fragment that was compiled in a video, uh, or you know, lots of examples over many many years from many different players were compiled in a video, and it kind of became like a running thing in in the jazz world. Uh, and and guys like Adam Neely and the big jazz sort of YouTubers uh, yeah. are what have pro- proliferated it to the extent that it has been now. And another one that I kind of hear, I don't think he does it exactly, but he does like parts of it enough. It was close enough that I thought I heard it two times. And that's 
what, well, I know it as the Thank You David Baker Lick. David Baker was uh, uh, one of an, the early kind of jazz educators, and he had a bunch of books that had like bebop endings or, or bebop lines, and, and that particular fragment, uh, it gets its name because you can sing Thank You David Baker along with the notes there, and you hear it a lot at the endings of, of players' lines. They do it all the time, uh, and that's one of kind of like, I would say probably like the second tier, the second level meme. It's not as famous as the lick, but it's like, it's it's up there. You play that for a jazz musician, they'll, they'll get it. Their ears will perk up when they hear it. Right. You probably don't want to... Well, the thing is now, not that there's anything wrong with a lick or, or, or that or anything, but you probably don't want to play it because it's the lick like... lick is a normie meme now. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's that's the thing. It's like, fuck off playing the lick. <laughs> Or fuck off playing thank you, David Baker. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with the with the musical content of it, but it sort of is like, I guess it's just become one of those things that it sounds like uninspired or like, we, uh, we get it. Easy joke. Easy joke. Easy joke. It's yeah, like, easy it's joke. Like a, it's like a, a, that, a, that's what she said of, of the jazz meme joking <laughs> world, right? Right, yeah. I mean, I think I told you maybe if we're, you know, the, the iceberg analogy. Kind of like as you get deeper and deeper. For me, the most impressed. I, I love this kind of like you know, jazz has this lexicon of of quotes. I guess these, these would be quotes, maybe. You yeah, quote quotes. That, well, some of them are quotes from other songs and stuff, and and some of them are just little melodic fragments that have people have used in their solos a lot. Because again, like I'm not I'm not really a, much of a jazz person, but from my understanding is uh, you know, jazzers they do a lot of practice learning other solos, learning famous solos, transcribing solos, and you pick up like these hallmarks of style or techniques or even progressions. Like, I, I think that's a thing, right? Like jazzers practice actually transcribing out the solos, right? Yeah, oh, certainly, exactly, yeah. And um, for me, the most impressed I've ever been with like that kind of recognizing the joke and like being in on this, you're in on the joke because you're in the in-group because like you're educated and like you're a nerd. Jazz people, no offense, but jazzers are nerds, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I had this professor, this this professor of mine, he, his mind was just like on a different level, I think. He, he was like a, approaching post-human. And, um, <laughs> you know, you guys ever like meet those guys where you're like, you're one yeah. level above me on the evolutionary chain, clearly. Right, yeah. <laughs> just and got literal galaxy brain i think he he his name is paul coleman he is currently steve reich's personal personal sound recording engineer and the sound recording engineer for uh signal ensemble wow they're okay. like a premier new music group in new york city and yeah. he got his start right either right out of high school or college i want to say touring with maybe the duke ellington band as their bass oh, wow. bone player wow okay so he's a serious musician. Been around yeah, the block. He's, he's good. And someone for our electronic music class, somebody did a reharmonization of Ain't It Fun by Paramore, Haley Williams. Okay. And in the middle of the song, just like tucked right between, like right at the end of the phrase, he put, uh, I think I called it the train changes, Robbie. Is that like the correct technical term? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, so he he put just this little four chords out of a uh, the the giant steps chord progression, and what does immediately, that sound like? Oh, like can you do it, Robbie? Robbie? 
areas that are a, a third apart. All right, so yeah, you put those so where, Matt? Like right at the end of a verse or something, or in between two lines of a song of, of, of like the chorus or something. And the professor's ears immediately, like you saw him, he paused it. He's like, oh, I really like those train changes. Like the first time he heard it. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> this guy knows something. Caught it. Yeah, this yeah. guy knows something that I do not. But I think that's that's such a cool part of like jazz, you know. Yeah, just getting the and you know, like you said, since a lot of it is transcribing the solos or learning the solos, there's a lot of vocabulary that you hear a lot of. But I think something like there are things that transcend that level into into memory, I guess you could say, because people vocabulary, you know, you can hear every single person will play that line, some like whatever they're playing unless they're or at least someone like me maybe you're a big genius you don't do that but that's just the kind of <laughs> sort of the vocabulary that's uh in it but then i think something like the lick and something like the thank you david baker they've become so prolific and they're so like immediately recognizable that they're like now it's now it's yeah now it's an in joke oh, is that gotcha. i'm probably wrong here is that also what the the lying cliche is categorized under Sort of. I think you could still play the line cliche, like line cliches. You mean like in voices, right? Like if I was yeah. doing or something like that. You could still do that, especially in voicings. It's not so, I don't think that it comes up quite as much because it's, you know, for voicings, by their very nature, they're kind of rote in a lot of ways, right? There's only, or at least if you're playing like straight ahead jazz, there's only so many voicings you can use before you start really getting out there more and more and something like the line cliche is just a good way of really adding movement to what might otherwise be a very static chord progression so it's just like mm -hmm. a technique not not like a, a meme not a joke yeah not like not like okay. a meme well at least i don't think maybe i'm out of the loop now but i wouldn't call it a meme that was a very informative bit on on yeah. jazz thank you robin thank you robin oh, yeah anytime he has uses after all I who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, I think, uh, have we said everything we wanted to say about this uh, rendition of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by the Rock and Roll Snowcats on their greatest hits? It's a huge album. It's a huge album. It is an yeah. exhaustive album of Christmas classics in the style of, like, Elvis Rock. Maybe they'd be yeah. the greatest Christmas hits. Yeah, it could be. It's it's be. a good album. I mean, like they have a good sound. I like the sax player, and there's like a nice uh, guitar solo right after the sax part. Yeah, that sounded clean. Yeah, and the whistling, like there's some interesting ideas, like the whistling start too. We didn't talk that much about it, but um, and the whistling know, is double by the guitar. Be, yeah, they should be really happy with their out. And we didn't mean to harp on on the vocalist. Uh, he had a good voice. He's just something we all noticed. I think. I'm just looking at the thing. Yeah, I, I put the meme in there. What is it? He's preparing. Is this like off of like the the shit posting of Jazz to Come Facebook group or whatever? Right. Well, I think I saw that one on Reddit, but they all get oh, okay. circulated around. That's one of my favorite Facebook groups. I think it's called the shit posting of Jazz to Come, and I also know that there's um one called <laughs> Lick Posting L I C C Posting. <laughs> This is mildly unrelated. Have you guys seen the things going around that people are finding where it's like wooden plaques of completely wrong melody with Christmas lyrics underneath it? No. I, I don't know. What's that? Someone, someone posted a picture. They found it's a grand staff, two treble clefs. So right off the bat, it's going great. 
Mm. And the bottom is the synth like uh, loop, and then the melody of Yeah by Usher. And the, it's like the words are, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town or something like that. <laughs> and you look at it and you're like, this is wrong. And then you try to play it and you're like, that's Yeah by Usher. And then <laughs> yeah, someone yeah, else yeah, posted yeah, a picture yeah, yeah. of uh, it's this one took me a while to figure out. It's fully notated with all the voices. And it's the opening of Bohemian Rhapsody, but with like jingle bells. As the lyrics? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like even the the measure of five jingle bells, the, bells. The lyrics bells, don't bells. line up at all. Is this just like plants people are finding out in the world? Or yeah. these like people people are taking pictures like in the store of like found another one. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's bizarre. I've seen okay. three notable ones lately circulating either through Twitter or like classical music or shit posting or whatever. I wonder if it's just like people who aren't musicians who are like, this is what music looks like, but I want to write jingle bells underneath it. Like, so it's holiday themed. I know. Think... So they like screenshot some, you know, music that they see. I think something. it's just one step beyond the, have you guys gotten like, you know, from, relatives or family members where they're like it's a music thing and it's like a mug with music that like you can't actually read yeah yeah i think it's one step past that like have you yeah. seen it's the picture of the the menu for the amadeus cafe and then if you look at the music they've got one line of music and it's the it's the theme from the flintstones <laughs> <laughs> that's just funny uh, uh, it's a good song Mozart would have been proud. Mozart would have, yeah, he maybe would have, maybe he would have loved it. I don't know. Clear melody. All right, should we but, do recommendations? Yeah, I think we should. Mine's gonna be super lame, so I'm gonna start out. I've already talked about this artist enough on the show, but I really love the Korean R&B singer Yaren Beck. And happy Christmas to everyone. She released a new album today called Genuine. You can stream it on most Spotify platforms, and I've been listening to that today. So. Check that one out if you are so inclined. Alrighty. I have been listening to this week while I have other work to do. Um, a recommendation Matt made in a previous week. Uh, the cafe music from Studio Ghibli, 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 depending on you know where you're from and how you say it. But uh, yeah, it's a great album. Right? Really, really fun. Really fun little album. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. And Robbie? Uh, this week, I spent some time listening to the McCoy Tyner album, Fly with the Wind. McCoy Tyner, uh, well, appropriately, he was most well-known working with John Coltrane and a bunch of famous jazz albums, and he also had a lot of really great albums after his tenure with John Coltrane ended. This is kind of in that period, so I would recommend it. It's uh, some really interesting stuff, really interesting developments in his style that kind of you know, are, are, are in a different school than the way that John Coltrane developed. So, if you like his playing, it, it's great to a case of that. So, Fly With the Wind, McCoy Tyner. Now I'm going to be thinking of the Thank You David Baker thing, like, all day. It, it's I'm gonna, a catchy I'm gonna melody. Be, I'm going to be, like, hunting for it now when I'm listening. So, thank It's going to make that. an appearance in your next piece, Matt. That, I hate it when that happens. I hate it so much when that happens. When you realize that you've written something that like has just been... Can I... Yeah. Quick tangent. This yeah. one sucked so bad. I 
wrote like a undergrad thesis. I don't know. It was just a really big piece to end my undergrad. I had the chance to write a piece for one ensemble and it's been my most successful piece to date. It's had like four performances by you know decent things. It won a competition, whatever. No big deal. I, no big deal. We just win at competitions. Whatever. I I <laughs> love this game franchise called Fire Emblem. And oh, I yeah. think the week that I started working on this piece, the at the time newest entry in the series was uh the the trailer dropped for this game. And I watched it probably once. Didn't think anything of it. It was like, oh my god, so excited for this game. I accidentally ripped the main theme for my thing <laughs> from that game trailer. It's the main theme of the game. And then when the game comes out, it starts with that theme right away. My friend and I, who just got the game because we're nerds, my roommate at the time, another composer, now my week, it, er, my my piece is set to premiere in like... <laughs> two weeks we pick up the game we boot it up and we just look at each other and we're like no no. and i'm like no (laughs) i almost perfectly copied the the theme of like the first eight notes of the theme of fire emblem fates for my wind ensemble piece so anyone who doesn't know that and i i don't i just hope i don't get sued i don't know no that's so funny though the first eight notes you're fine it's I'm yeah. serious. You had gone to nine notes though, you know. Once that we're done, I can once we're done I can show you guys. It's really funny. Yeah. But I even one time I remember I convinced myself for a day that I had thought up the second movement of the Poulain clarinet. Uh, so I think you yeah, I remember you telling me this. Yeah. Yep. I spent like two hours being like, This is good and then I was like, This is Poulain. <laughs> 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 That's just funny. It's heartbreaking when that happens. <laughs> yeah. All right, should we wrap it up? Yeah, so thank you for listening, everybody. Be sure to uh, um, rate our show and follow us on Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast. Also follow us on Twitter at Drop Haystack and Drop the Needle in the Haystack on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and I think that'll about do it for today. Yeah, happy holidays, everyone. Uh, this, I think, is coming out right around Christmas time or that week, right before. I'm not sure. But happy holidays. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll catch you next week.